Psalm 52, verses 6 through 9. The righteous will see and fear. They will laugh at him, saying, Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth, and grew strong by destroying others. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I will praise you forever for what you have done. In your name I will hope, for your name is good. I will praise you in the presence of your saints. So I had a thought maybe a few weeks ago, and I think it uh, grew out of uh, this session, these sessions. Mm -hmm. And it is, the Catholic Church is very cognizant of its history and its past, and particularly of its saints. But I think one of the losses that happened in the uh, Protestant Church Um, and maybe the evangelical branch of it, is in a way, I believe the saints have been a bit forgotten that Mm. the church itself focuses on its contemporary uh, role um, and doing that well in many cases and maybe not so well in others. But I think there's an enormous loss if we lose a sense of the saints of what, you know, it's not just the disciples or the apostles. Uh, It's Mm. really a continuum from the moment of resurrection and the, and the gift of the Holy spirit being spread amongst a larger group of people and the events of the first century carrying all the way to this century. Uh, It's extraordinary history And it was an extraordinary event in human history because so much was accomplished in such such a little amount of time with with so so few of the Mm. things that we usually say, you know, I have an army or I'm the head of this or I'm the head of that. And that and that becomes the leader and so on and so forth. But it's different in the church. These are these were not necessarily people that the world noticed. And yet we talk about them all the time. But then it carries on to. Aquinas and all of these other great saints of the church. And it's not just the Catholic church. There's there a continuum of Christ's mission in this world, whether it's one denomination or another. Yeah, it's an interesting point. You know, according to the New Testament, we're all saints who have the Holy Spirit in us. If we're being sanctified by God, then we are saints, and we're also all priests. You know, it talks about the priesthood of all believers. I think in the Roman Catholic Church, there's a very specific list of criteria that have to be accomplished in one's lifetime to become, you know, an actual official saint. You know, a miracle has to be performed, or I forget what the other two are. The Catholics on listening to this can email me, (laughs) tell me the correction. But yeah, I think we have, the Protestant Church did overcorrect on a number of things. And this might be one of them. I think your point is really valid to hold up some of these folks, Aquinas and Augustine and others, and say, um, look at their contributions to the kingdom and, and to celebrate them and to honor them. That's, that's uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. As I was reading this, Psalm 52, what stood out to me, where it says, um, here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, 
but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love. So there's this contrast between two, two types of people here. One who trusts in his great wealth, who grows strong by destroying others, and one who trusts in God's unfailing love. And when you first hear that, if there's a non-Christian who hears that, and they think, okay, you can put your trust either in your great wealth and by destroying others, or you can put your trust in the love of God. It seems so flimsy when you first hear about it, doesn't it? Like, I think I'd rather put my trust in great wealth. That seems strong, and it puts me in a position of strength. And you're telling me the real secret here is to put my trust in God's unfailing love? How That sounds so pathetic and weak and flimsy compared to the power of this world. But when you actually do it, when you put your trust in the unfailing love of God, I love what it says here. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. And there's a, there's a clue there to understanding this. You can put your trust in your own wealth, but guess what? When you die, your wealth doesn't go with you. But if you put your trust in the unfailing love of God, it's going to last unto eternity. It's just a new way of thinking about what to put our trust in. You know, I, uh, I, I started this off by saying, what is man? And mm -hmm. I think man without God is, is perhaps uh, a monster or it has the potential of becoming one. But I just want to quote from uh, both Paul and Aquinas, uh, and this comes from what I wrote. And Aquinas says, For no one can truly love God unless he has the Holy Spirit abiding in mm -hmm. his soul. There's the saints. We do not come to God before the grace of God, but it comes to us first. That kind of reflects what the first letter of John says. Uh, mm. We love because he loved us first. Love comes from God. It doesn't, you know, it's not even quite natural to us in, in the fullness of love. And then uh, Paul says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Hmm. And that's from uh, the first, uh, first Corinthians 2.